Wired Access. We'll do it live. Wired Access. Do it live. Wired Access. We'll do it live. Wired Access. Welcome to a Heard App production of Wired Access Podcast. I'm your host, DJ K-Dub Omaha. And with me to my left is Connor Capisi from Gross High School here in Omaha, a future Creighton Blue Jay. Then to his left, we have my man, my guy, Brian Southworth from Wired Training. Welcome, fellas. It is a wonderful day. A lot of good things happening. Man, baseball's on the mind, right? You got the summertime. You got midseason. You got all that stuff going on. But beyond that, you have the sport that you love possibly looking at you to make it to a level that many just dream of, want to be of. Do you remember when you first even stepped on the baseball field? Yeah, I was about three years old, and we had T-ball in Prairie Lane, at Prairie Lane neighborhood, and I played with my brother. My dad was a coach, and I was three years old, three or four, and it was a blast. So when you started that young and you remember that young, obviously this is a sport you love. Was there other sports that took precedence as well with baseball? Yeah, growing up, I played basketball and tackle football. I quit those my sophomore year of high school to pursue baseball full time. And I think that's really what brought me to the next level. And when you think of that commitment at that young level, obviously you played the other sports all the way up until then. What was some of the biggest things that you remember from little league baseball was it the travel was it the experience of the coaches what was your biggest thing that you remember from just before high school the friendships like my travel team was all neighborhood kids and we all went to the same school we saw each other every single day and that's really what made us who we were because we are all friends and it was just bigger than just baseball well and brian when you hear stuff like this the biggest thing that i always think of is you see a good kid on one team, another coach wants to come pull him. You see a team start to build a bond, there's always one bad seed. He said his biggest memory was playing with the same kids. How does that help not only structure these kids to be better teammates, but also to be better on the baseball field together? Yeah, it's funny that, you know, talking about like teammates, right? And he never mentioned like wins or losses in that, right? Hold on, what? He didn't was- say the eighth grade U, eight U. Uh, big championship that they won. Yeah, no, I mean, it seems to be the common theme of of all the, the you know the players that I've coached along the years is they never talk about you know we won this tournament that tournament is always like the relationships they built the friendships they built the places they went um, you know those are always the leading the way and I think that's really what helps instill the the love for the game the bond with their teammates and um, it's always great to hear that. Now, when you played these three sports, did you do traveling for all of them or majorly just baseball? Majorly just baseball. It was in high school, it was basketball and football. I'd just play those in season, but baseball, I'd be year round. So I'd wake up for football at six in the morning, do football, go to school, have basketball practice after school, and then go to baseball from six to eight and then go home and do homework. And it was an all day thing. So how does that make you stronger on the fact of mental because you got people that have no idea how hard it is to get up and go do baseball after a long day or get up and do a sport that you love. Where did that all instill in you? I feel like the majority of everything of that was time management where I could 
go to basketball and know that I still had time for baseball and still had time to do homework, but I put baseball first because that's what I wanted to do. And that really, I don't know. I got to ask, when, when do you do homework? Because I mean, <laughs> seeing you at my facility, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure you basically live there. I mean, so when do you fit all this time in like everything else? Oh God. Oh, I, I do homework at school. All right. That's, all right. that's where it is. <laughs> time management. I, my senior year or senior and junior year, I had two free periods. So I didn't have to go to school the last two periods of the day. So I get out at one o'clock. So I'd either do homework there or get out early and go lift weights or just t- time management was a big That's thing. That's what for it me. takes. It, yeah. You know, and it's a dedication, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's the sacrifice. It's the stuff that, that we've used on this show with many other athletes, many other people, because it's hard for people to understand. And when you think of the baseball sacrifices that you've done, what took you to where you are today? What made that difference? Who was it? What 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 made you want to do it? and be that goal when i was when i started high school i was not physically there to where i wanted to be so i would look at people older than me and see what they've done to change themselves to get where they wanted to be and i put my head down i was like that's where i want to be and junior year that's when it really all changed for me i started working as hard as i did getting in the gym with people older than me that have done it before and they really took me under their wing and brought me into that. And when you say things like done it before, when it turned, all that, and you think of the baseball world that you're going into, obviously you had to make a decision to go to school like Omaha Gross, whether it was mm-hmm. a parent decision, your own decision. If you look at the history of Gross, they've had some great things go on, but they've also had a lot of things where the, the years just weren't there. What yeah. made that decision to Omaha gross because the reason I ask this is because I look at your guys's final imprint mm-hmm. as a senior class and it's impressive. Yeah. You have, you have a people below you that feed into that mm-hmm. to help to where you guys are today. What was that decision? And uh, how do you feel being that imprint? So I have a brother that is one year older than me and he chose to go there. He was the only one from our grade school that went there. And then I followed him there the next year. And then after that, it was just trickling down. It started with one, then it went to three, then it went to 10. And there's probably 15, 20 kids from my grade school that went there. And I followed him there. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And then we started playing baseball. We played together our whole lives. And me and him really flipped the program, if you could say that. But people bought in. And that's really what made us do what we needed to do and my junior year we went to state and that's really what turned everything for all the sports programs because then basketball got good football made it to the state tournament or state championship and then the next year with baseball we were in the state semifinals and we really brought sports back i would say you know and what i like that you're saying is is it took time it took mm-hmm. people buying in. Brian, when you see a school like Omaha Gross, the choice has to be strong because parents have to pay. It's not like just going down the road or everybody loading up and we're all going to Bell West or, you know, where it's a little easier. These you have to one only pay, but then also find people that 
have parents that want to pay. What is that like? I mean, you're a father of of some sons that are coming up, and these are decisions that people have to make. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, obviously, there's a pretty large financial commitment to go to like a private school, but you know, I think uh, the AD there, Dempsey, right? Yeah, now it's Terrence O'Donnell. Terrence O'Donnell. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they they definitely do a great job of putting emphasis in sports. Um, Hempel has done a great job. You know, he kind of filled in Flip's role pretty well. So they they definitely, with the help of of Connor and his older brother, and I mean, they, like he said, there's a great senior class. I mean, there was definitely a culture there that that you want to be a part of. And I think a lot of those younger kids see that, you know, when they're going to visit the school, and and they can tell. And I think that's that's really helped them a lot of the work from from these guys and their senior class. Well, and when you say that, obviously you made the decision junior year that it's all, all full board baseball. How does that help or possibly hurt some of that multi-sport athlete in yourself, but also the team that you have brought up, whether it is football and baseball, because I mean, for football, you guys made it to state finals. I mean, that's something in your senior year that you go, man, I could have, been that guy that might have got him over that hump to win it how does that all feel for yourself i definitely missed it that was a big thing like football when they got there i would help on the sidelines just to try to be in it because that's where all my friends were and they all played football there was 27 seniors this year that's something i wanted to be a part of not from the stands though i wanted to be on the field like with them give them support but then it hurt me because I knew that I had the chance to be there and I didn't. And that's something I will definitely look back on and wish I would have done. Well, now that all those I wishes, I would have, I could have, yes, it's things missed, but understand that the bigger picture was better for you. Now you've obviously made some big choices in baseball. There's a lot of travel baseball going on, whether it's the prospect stuff like that. When you see stuff like that, but you're dedicated to yourself and the team that you've already built. Do you feel like you need something like that? Or do you think that you can look outside of having to do those big travel balls to pay off for yourself? I think now looking at it, that it's one way or another, there's very few that can just stick in one spot and be noticed. But if you travel, I feel like you have a way higher chance to get noticed and one prime example of a one in a million is Cam Kojal from Millard South. He really is a one in a million. But even then, I mean, he caught caught fire probably at the PBR Futures yeah, games. Yeah, Futures games, right? Yeah. I mean, he just one, had a great weekend. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's all about being in the right place at the right time. Yep. And, and when you travel, I mean, you're definitely going to increase your odds if you're going to go to the coaches because a lot of coaches don't come into town. Yep. yep. Um, but, you know, if you go there, that's where the coaches go. So. But it's weird to say that they don't come into town. And I, I feel obviously we've already interviewed uh, Elkhorn Athletic Association talking about building facilities. Mm-hmm. It has to be weird to know that coaches don't come to Omaha, even though we have the the greatest show on on dirt. Right? Yeah. We have the College World Series. We have the history. We have all this, but for some reason they're just not gravitating. Does that push you stronger to want to reach out and want to reach further? Yeah, I feel like there's some reputation in it too. Like Lake Point, great reputation. There's always coaches down there. There's always competition down there. Omaha, I feel like it's here and there's no nobody wants to come to a place where it's not warm all the time. Well, I think it's tough. I mean, 
it's a numbers game too. Like we talked about facilities, right? Um, like Lake Point. How many fields are at Lake Point? 16. 16 high school fields. So, you know, if we're a college coach, are we like, we can go to a complex as 32 high school teams playing at one If time. not more, because there's yeah. normally yeah. one relaxing. Yeah, if like not one time, right? Yes. Like yes. every, you know, a couple every, hours, those yeah. 32 are going to flip over because, I mean, the WWBA has, what, mm-hmm. 300 teams? In yeah, there? 300, 350. And all the technology they have down there, it's all posted for everybody. You don't have to do it yourself. So it's tough. I mean, you got to get out of state if you want to be seen because just from a recruiting standpoint, it makes sense for a college coach to to go to Atlanta, see 16 high school fields in one spot, not drive all over town. I mean, there's definitely a lot of advantages. Well, and hopefully the things are moving in the right direction. I know multiple facilities that are trying to open up because we are so far behind the Des Moines, the Kansas mm-hmm. City. The, and Des Moines is just as warm or cold as we yeah. are. So it isn't isn't in that. Obviously, the traveling for you has been an experience. It has gotten you the name that you have grown to to build yourself. What was your best part about traveling to these camps? Seeing the players have some of the same passion, the same drive, but they also want to eat your reps and take your reps mm-hmm. along with your lunch. That That's another thing about relationships, like just getting to know those guys and knowing that they're there for baseball in high school. It's kind of, Oh, Hey, I play baseball. Like I'm here for this season down there. It's baseball. That's it. They all play one sport and you're trying to make each other better and get better yourself. And when you think of the legacy that Connor has set at Omaha Gross. How do you think you impacted now and the future for Omaha Gross? I think it's a very positive way. There's been a lot of parents that have reached out to me that said their kid looks up to me. Their kid's going to Gross because of me. They want my autograph, and it's all awesome. I feel like what I've done for Gross is more than what I could have imagined. What do you think your biggest sacrifice? Obviously, we talked the sports part. But when you think of your relationships, you think of even home stuff, what's your biggest sacrifice that you've had to give up um, that others might take for granted and not realize? And sometimes even someone at your caliber doesn't even think of it as a sacrifice. You're like, I know this is what I got to do. But if you just think of that moment or that time of possible misses, Class A to Class B. I think that's the biggest thing. People are like, you should have played Class A. Class A is way better. You're going to get noticed more. But I think Class B was, it wasn't just as good. But for me, I feel like there's a lot of attention still in Class B that people don't realize when they're on the highest level in Class A. See, and I like that you said that because you realize that the class doesn't always define you. Yep. You define that class. And I only say it because, I mean, even when I was coaching um, eighth grade football and I watched a kid go off to high school at the same high school through a feeder program. But then I watched after two years, the high school in class A was not for him, whether it was mentally, physically. We don't know. Kids go through so much and you never want to put a judgment unless you really know. So I don't know. But him and his parents made a great decision and they moved him to gross. And I've never seen a kid happier. I've never seen a kid more involved just by a switch of an atmosphere. And it's not a pressure of A or B, but it's finding that place. 
seeing these kids come in later in your year, you've been there all four years. How much more impactful do you feel you have to be to keep these kids involved in Omaha Gross? It's a lot. I mean, in the, you if you don't get involved, I feel like it's very easy to fade away from that culture because there's 400 kids at the school. There's 55, 60 kids at a baseball game on a Tuesday night. That doesn't happen at any other school, I feel like. And that's really something special that we have is the culture, and it brings everybody together. It's really one big family. And when you think of, like, feeder programs – um, I don't what was the little league team that you played for growing up with your team? I played with my dad. Okay. So I didn't I didn't go through any feeder programs. I played for the Omaha Mustangs and that I was the only one that went to gross from that team. And and I only ask that because even like a St. Clumkill, mm-hmm. I see the team, but it's not always guaranteed those are St. Yeah. Clumkill kids. <laughs> so when you see that these feeder programs have a name, does it really correlate to the future form or do you feel it's just a name on a shirt i feel like it's a name on the shirt because you could be phenomenal because of one kid and then he doesn't even go to the school that they're feeding him to and i feel like it's just a name on the shirt because you can really go anywhere now with how the high school rules work i mean you can find your way finagle your way brian of course decisions for high school stuff and decisions that Connor and his family have had to make. You're obviously seeing people come through your program that are going through this process. What's one of the biggest things that you're able to take from a kid like Connor and also help influence other kids in the train in the wired training center? Well, I think Connor brought up something earlier. He talked about like seeing older people that have done it before. Right. I think, I think, um, we're really blessed to have like a wide range of kids. And, and now like Connor's thing, like there was, you know, older people at our facility before Connor. And I'm sure Connor looked at some of those guys and, you know, saw them go from college, even draft. And, you know, I'm sure that motivated Connor. And, and now he's the guy, right? Connor's at the facility. He sets the culture at the facility, the tone. And now these kids are looking at him and, and what he's done and how successful he's been. So, you know, I think that definitely helps just establish a blueprint that, that we can do this from Nebraska. We're no different, right? Like we can do this. We have some of the best facilities. Yeah. So I think that's a big piece of it. Well, and when you say that, Connor, what was, uh, I mean, I think what people don't understand is there's probably some alone time in there. I mean, I know I've showed up with my son before and there's not a peep. You sometimes got to turn on the light, turn on your own music. When you look at those moments through your training and you see the end result that you're getting, how much more does that mean to you? It, it just goes to show that you can work by yourself and get better. You don't have to be around people and show people that you're getting better. You can do it yourself. You can. So you didn't do videos all by yourself. You didn't, you didn't just show the screen of all these great philosophies and it's not just a social thing. There, there was a few moments where it was, <laughs> but that's the fun part of yeah, it. Yeah, you know what I'm it's saying? Not, like, it's not every time you got it. Yes. Every time you're in there, you gotta show you're in there. There's definitely two type of people, right? Like you have the people that are like socially, yes, right, and then there's the people with like bigger things in mind, and you can totally tell the difference between those two people, you know. And and I, I think Connor bring it, like you know bring it up is like Connor did a lot of work on his own, right? And Connor did a lot of work on the things that aren't always fun. You know, if you're always working on the things that you want to work on, you're probably not working on the right things, yeah. right? So, you know, I mean, that was the cool part about watching watching him do his go about his business, and you know, it, 
just working. And, and when you think of those working on things, what was probably the least or the hardest thing that you struggled with, but you overcame because you had those opportunities? Changing my body. That was the biggest thing when I was getting recruited or when I wasn't getting recruited freshman and sophomore year, I was heavier set. I wasn't mobile. I just wasn't fit to play division one baseball. And then it really took me some determination to really get where I wanted to be. And I worked out five times a week with a trainer was in, you better give him a shout out. Bronson Marsh, Marshall elite performance. Hey, the guy. Mean, those, those things matter. I mean, we've interviewed so many people, and I think sometimes they're afraid to give something out like that. Like, those those are important. One, it lets people know when they go, man, does this guy work? Yes, this guy helped me get to who I am today. Mm-hmm. And and being able to give credit. I mean, we did an interview last year when we were at the Wired Training Center with someone like a JoJo Doman, and he talked about uh, using a guy in Bellevue, Brian Inselman, not only yeah. for his physical therapy, but also for his mental therapy. And you're like, yeah, but he's just a... But you find those connections through these coaches. What was the biggest thing that he got you through the hump to get from the, as you said, a little heavier Connor to the Connor that you are today? It was him just pushing me. He saw what I had in me. And he was like, I'm going to push you to your max and go do this and I'll get you where you want to be, but you got to buy in too. And that's really what. Can you say that louder? What was that? You got to what? Buy in. You got to buy in. So when you bought in, what really told you that you bought in? That I could see my body transform. It, it It didn't happen quick, but there was a point where I was like, oh, this is getting real. And especially now, I mean, if you just look up your name, you don't have to look up any further. The, I had to like do a double take when he was walking in. I'm, I'm just being honest, like, because the picture online is does not match this kid that's here standing today. And and it's those stories that tell of hard work, dedication, and commitment. Now, when you think of that, you go through a process that a lot of people don't always get through D1 scholarships through D1 commitments through uh, just the whole thing. What was that like for you? Just getting people to scout you and getting people to give you something that was more on paper than it was just someone giving you words. Yeah, it was a very slow process. You have to email people. You have to call them. You have to DM them on Twitter. You have to actually try and get them to your games. And then when they're at your games, you have to play your best. And if you don't, you get crossed off. And when you say play your best, what mental struggle can happen? I mean, one mess up can make you throw off the rest of your game. Yeah. Like, like, like that kind of pressure that is not just uh, mom or dad in the stands yelling yeah. and screaming. It's it's beyond that. Yeah. And and so when you think of the coaches that came through, how did you get the whole connection with Creighton? Obviously, they're in town. They are a Catholic school, so there's that link. But how did you get the connection? I reached out to them pretty early and I didn't hear a whole lot back, but then towards the end of my June, uh, sophomore summer, I made the area code games and that's really what kind of took people for a little, not a little surprise, but they were like, okay, he's the real deal now a little bit. And I feel like I just kept reaching out. I had people watching my games all junior year spring. And that's really when they kind of swooped in and were like, Hey, 
will offer you here. And the biggest part about my offer from them was that it was a two-way offer where I could pitch and catch. See, and we just had on our last episode, we had Nick Riggs, a two-way player for UNO. Having those opportunities, especially in this day and age, I mean, you have Otani in the, for the Angels where everybody is just striving and seeing this massive guy take place, and you have an opportunity. What does that mean to you, what you've done, and what you're going to do? It really just says, like, or shows all the hard work that I've done to really improve my games in all sorts of different ways. It's not just hitting or just pitching or just catching. It's all of them, and it really brought me to who I am. It's hard to be, like, good enough to be just be a hitter, you know, or, or a pitcher. And, and to do both, it just takes so much more time. Um, it's tough. The one thing, Connor, that, you know, watching your path and everything I think is, is good to share, I mean – I think you were kind of like on the outside looking in a little bit at one point. Yeah. Um, And everyone kind of has a different timeline, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think uh, I remember having some conversations with you uh, probably like around the sophomore year or so that, you know, it's like I felt confident, like I knew what type of player Connor was going to be, but, you know, he's seen all these people commit and and everything. Talk about like your timeline, your path, and and the struggle maybe it was to kind of watch these kids get the attention that we knew you deserved but it just wasn't your time. Like, how was that? It was it was tough for a while. I mean, I went to area code. I didn't play the best, but I still played decent. And I'd be walking around, walking out, and people are, or agents are trying to get kids, and teams are talking to everybody, and I just had to walk by with nobody to talk to and then go back to my hotel, and then it was a new day. And it it was really tough just knowing that I should be getting some attention, even from if it's local teams, smaller teams, it really wasn't anything. Well, and when you say local teams, I mean, that's that's been a common occurrence with a lot of the athletes we've talked to. I've known, I, we talked to a couple basketball athletes that had to go out of state to get some love. So you go through this hard time, but one of your first loves is local. Mm-hmm. How do you, how does that change your look on the perception of the way it went and how does it also um, shape what you can offer for them? Cause you're going to have family there. I mean, having family, if that is the route that it goes, having family local and able to come to games, it also changes the feeling. Now, yes, every, we want all kids to go to college. We want you to enjoy that, but this is right in home. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of support from, a lot of people around me that wanted me to stay home because they were so intrigued and in watching me in college if they couldn't come to my high school games or whatever, but they were really supportive of me staying home and keeping up with them while I'm there. So you get to do this experience over the summer um, because you went, you, you're committed to Creighton. They send some of their players off. You just got taken part of the MLB draft league. So as a senior out of high school, let's say that again, a senior out of high school, you went from 10th grade feeling no love at the end where you feel probably one of, like you said, the hardest feelings ever. That people, it also can mentally change how your future goes. You could easily turn the other way and then you're hoping and wishing for something that you didn't continue to work for. You get this opportunity. First, talk about the opportunity. What was it like? What was the atmosphere and uh, where do you see it getting you to the future? It, it was an awesome opportunity. There was a bunch of awesome teammates there. 
they all wanted to play baseball. They all wanted to get to the next level. And it was all different ages. There was, I was 17 when I got there and there was a 25 year old that was married and had a kid and it was all different walks of life. And we all wanted to get better. And we all went out every day trying our best because they, they cut 20, 25 kids from my team. And it was no hard feelings. Just you're done. And you had to survive each day and try your best. And so when you look at some of those teammates that you might be like, man, that's my guy. And all of a sudden he's walking away. How mm -hmm. do you stay composed, but also be respectful of what's going on? Yeah. It's hard just to say, Hey, he's gone. Move on to the next. It's cause that could be you. And you just have to not take it to heart and just be like, I got this opportunity and it's a great opportunity, but it didn't work out for me right now. So, Brian, he said he was 17 going into this. The only reason I bring that up, because right now there's a lot of reclassification. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this came up in his past where people were wondering why. What makes or breaks that obvious thing of whether we need to reclassify or keep him going the path? What do you think is some of those things that lead to this decision? Because who would think that he'd be where he is at 17 and just imagine he still has growth. He still has strength. He still, I mean, that part's not done yet. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, gosh, I'm watching these like eighth grader teams right now, like playing against like 17 year olds. It's like, man, how are we like, you know, a 16 or, or 17 year old eighth grader? And I mean, it's just not even, it doesn't even really make sense for me to do. I mean, I think, I think, you know, if you look at the age groups, like go play with your grade, right? Like, cause, the best will always be the best. I mean, you know, and playing down like and just dominating like lower levels competition, playing kids two years ago, that doesn't motivate anyone, you know, and eventually when it's crunch time and you got to play against guys your age and, you know, or older, yeah, you'll be behind. you're going to be behind. Exactly. I mean, it's going to be tough. So I do not like the reclassification. Well, Connor, of course, at your MLB Draft League, what do you think is the number one thing you left on the team's mind and what was the one thing that you felt you might have left on the field that you could have done better? What I left there was my catching. I caught phenomenal. It was the first time I really caught constant velocity and everybody was 92, 99. With disgusting off-speed pitches? Disgusting. <laughs> but I felt like that really prepared me for college or pros and then I feel like what I left there was my hitting I feel like I struggled a little bit just because going from high school pitching to high velocity it's not just hey I'm going to turn this on right now and you're successful like it's a game every of failure. at bat too I mean I yeah. think that's a tough part I yeah. mean you there's there's some great arms in town mm -hmm. right I mean I'm sure you faced like Harry Hill yep, or, Harry or something, Hill, right man. like there's some Tough. great arms but the problem is like you're doing that maybe once a week, every other week. If that. Yeah, yeah, you are doing that for nine straight innings mm -hmm. every single night in yeah. a league like that. Yeah. Well, of course, your journey is slowly beginning. It, it's not even touched even a little bit of the top. Who was your number one baseball player that you looked up to and drove you to be a player that you wanted to be? My dad. He played college baseball at Briarcliff. And he's coached me my whole life. He's really shown me what determination looks like, what you can do. And it doesn't have to be with others. You can do it by yourself. You can work hard. You can get where you want to be and really show your true colors when you get there.
And when you take that impact to yourself, is there any position that you wish you would have played and became? Obviously, you get to play two-way. You get to enjoy that life. But sometimes, even growing up, there was a position that you really wanted, but it just never fit into your build. Shortstop. I was I was too big to play shortstop, but I played I played third base because I had a great arm. But shortstop, I played it here and there in high school because I was able to now. But that's a really fun position. Oh yeah, I mean one of the ho- the hot areas, constantly getting the ball. Mm-hmm. So if you think of all the sports that you grew up with and the and the things that you loved, was there if there was another sport that you could have excelled in to where you are today? Which sport would that have been, and who would have uh, kind of mm. been an eye that you were looking for? Football. I was a all state punter my junior or sophomore year, and sometimes I wish I would have stuck with that because I feel like I wouldn't have had to pay for school, and that was something that would have been fun to have a football college experience. And but, was there any punters that you kind of looked up to, or kind of no? Man, out of Nebraska? Like, Nebraska is, like, one of the top punters in the... I mean, Sam, who played in the NFL for many years, and now his son's getting to come to Nebraska. Well, I appreciate you sharing your story, your journey of from 10th grade of having not even a single blip on the screen that you felt in the moment to now have an opportunity to who knows what today will bring. And I say that again, what today will bring because the MLB draft is still going on. The sky's the limit. And we're going to watch here from Omaha. I already know Omaha gross. Those boys, they all came together and you guys have left a mark. I loved watching it because I have a lot of kids from the Papillion area that actually went to gross to play sports, whether it was basketball or actually play. I mean, they just play all the sports. Mm-hmm. They want to be involved there. And it, it's it's awesome to watch you guys get to championships when, like you said, it wasn't always there. It wasn't something that you can relay your head back and go like Scut. Scut has a long history in different sports that you can go volleyball. We're gonna go there for volleyball every every year. They're like no one said has ever said that for gross that I know of. At least to me, Brian, I don't know if in your field that you've heard it, but I know I haven't. And to me now, when people say they want to go there because of what you guys have built, that's something special to leave on Omaha. If you get the chance to play for Creighton, if something doesn't go in the MLB, what are you going to bring here to Omaha for Creighton Blue Jays? Versatility. I feel like for me, the biggest thing is I can do what you need to be done. That's something where I've always been able to do it. If an opportunity comes up and you don't have somebody to do it, I'll jump right in. Once again, I greatly appreciate you for checking in to Wired Access Podcast. I'm your host, DJ K-Dub Omaha. To my left, Connor Capisi from Omaha Gross with a chance at the MLB. And his guy, Brian, my guy, Southworth from Omaha Wired Training Center. Check us out. We'll see you. Heard at Sports Network Production.